I'm Sade. And I'm Christian. And this is episode 118 of Shades of Brown. And this week, uh, we're going to start with what? We're going to start with Windows 10X? Is that what we're starting with? Yeah, yeah we're going to start with uh, Windows 10X. Um, and this this actually isn't the first time we've spoken about it for people who have listened to the show before. We've I've mentioned it here and there um, with regards to... I, th- I think actually the last time we mentioned it was the episode where we were talking about Catalina security model and sort of how that all works. Um, so essentially, 10X is what's coming out on the Surface Neo. Um, and the Surface Duo is going to be running um, Android, right? So Windows 10X is a version of Windows that Microsoft is saying right now is specifically built for dual screen devices. That uh not not exactly true. Like are, they're not lying. Like yes, it does run on dual screen devices. But um before we go into what they released about Windows 10X, I think it I think it'll be worth it to give a brief history lesson um just, just to provide some context here. When Windows XP, I think it was Service Pack 1, they started to begin work on Longhorn, right? And then the running joke is that Microsoft just failed to ship Longhorn. Um, and there's actually a bunch of good old Ars Technica pieces I'll try and find and throw in at the show notes um, about how there's WinFS, um, a bunch of other features. But the biggest part of Longhorn, I actually shipped in Vista, is that Microsoft started compartmentalizing the kernel, right? Like Windows Vista had a new driver model in which you don't, you don't actually have to reboot for driver updates because it's separate. It, it, the system can unload them and reload them. Um, so with that, so Microsoft began work way back when on compartmentalizing Windows. And then Windows 7 came along, Windows 8 and all that, all those failed attempts to make Windows into a tablet interface. And there's a lot of legacy cruft there, which we have in Windows 10, right? Like, there's a reason that there's a separate settings app at control panel because you can't, like, it's... There's so much legacy stuff in Windows that you can't throw it all into the UWP control panel app, right? So with that in mind, I think it was actually about around the time we first started hearing rumors about a Surface phone. Because if you look at Windows 10X, if you look through it, you can actually see references to code names of the Andromeda device, of Santolini, of a couple different code names of different phone operating systems that Microsoft or phones that Microsoft was trying to make but never came to market in there. And we've also talked about CoreOS. Um, that's the internal code name. Um, Core OS basically being what the Xbox runs, right? Like the Xbox runs Windows, but it runs this version of Windows called Core OS, which is essentially take the Vista idea of compartmentalizing it and then break it up into even more smaller components, right? Because as of right now, if you look at Windows as a software platform, right, you have it on Azure. So from Azure all the way down to a Raspberry Pi is what Microsoft wants Windows to be able to scale through. And while Windows NT was fine for that in its current form, the sort of there's a lot of things that Linux has done in recent years, um, especially the especially as Docker and Kubernetes and a bunch of container stuff has become more popular, that Microsoft is taking inspiration from to build into the core design of their operating system. Where with with Windows NT, even though it was compartmentalized, the driver system was separate. You still need that all that one kernel blob together, right? It's not as if you can get the base kernel to boot a device and then you can load in like a separate telephony stack, right, for phones, and then a separate stack for, um, say, like on the Xbox, a different um, sort of windowing system or, or rendering system for it. Whereas CoreOS, it's all pe- it's all piecemeal now. So, say for the Xbox, right? The Xbox runs Windows Core. It also runs the Windows networking stack. It also has DirectX, right, for the graphics layer. But the shell is completely different. The UI, so the front end UI that you interface with is what, um, for the sake of this conversation, I'll be referring to as a shell. That is different on the Xbox versus 
Windows 10 proper. And then, of course, the Xbox still does that very interesting thing, right? Where each game it boots into, right? Where the operating system runs different. It, each game runs in its own container, which um, I believe is just a hypervisor based. And hypervisor is, of course, Microsoft's own technology for virtualization. And so there's a lot of ideas that was done building that, building, um, say, Windows Server as well, right? Because for Windows Server, you don't... Like if you if you just want to run stay or actually say you want to do what a lot of companies are doing now, whereas they have like one server right, but each app runs in a container right. And that's not virtualized per se, but it's containerized. You don't you know you want um everything to run its own isolated processes for security and and all of that. And so the, those ideas have now been taken, and Microsoft's been slowly building a version of Windows for the desktop that uses it. And the first iteration of that is Windows 10x. And essentially, Windows 10X is Windows with a new shell. Um, C shell was the working name of it that we really don't have a shell for a name for the shell right now. But it looks a lot like Windows 10 regular shell, except it doesn't have any live tiles, has a new start menu, and it's far more simplified. New notification system. There's a win- there's a Windows Central article going through it all. There's a bunch of UI changes and. The difference between this, this, like the Xbox version of Windows, is that it's UWP first. And that doesn't mean, right, that you can't run Win32 apps. But how it runs Win32 apps is that there is a container that gets loaded on demand and each Win32 app runs within that container. But there's different instances of those containerized apps, right? Say, for example, you're running, um, let's say, Notepad, right? But Notepad uses certain DLLs um, to load to, to function. So what it will do is that it'll just spin up the base Win32 process and then only inject those required DLLs, right, to make the app function. And then if you load up, say, Paint, Paint's going to do another instance of that. And because it uses Hyper-V, which is built into... Uh, a- well, it's also built in it. Intel has extensions for this on their on the processor, right? And ditto for um for ARM sixty four as well. AMD, I don't know off the top no, of my Hyper-V head. Hyper V is uh Hyper V is not new. Hyper V is uh Microsoft's solution. It's Microsoft virtualization solution, right? It's it's uh, it's used in This has been used the, since like Windows Vista or Windows Seven, right? Because this is back you remember when when Windows Seven had that um XP mode where you can run an individual XP app? Just in its own container. I I don't think Windows. Oh, I think Windows Seven was when Hyper V. I think Hyper V really became a thing with Windows Eight or like Windows Server twenty twelve, and then Windows Server twenty sixteen made really made Hyper V like a first class citizen. Uh, I I don't remember. I actually don't. I don't use Windows Server. I don't run Windows Server. But like Hyper V is extremely like it's it, it's 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 a important part of uh, like Microsoft Server related business like azure stuff probably runs uh like azure vms probably a bunch of them probably run on hyper v you know like windows vms on azure probably run on hyper v uh and right now too the same container system is also being used on windows 10 for arm to spin up those those um when it does the running x86 apps in an emulation mode it's also using this container and what what this means is as i've said before don't expect win32 to be well and alive by the end of this decade right like Microsoft has made it very clear that Win32 is a legacy technology and that it's best best to modernize. Um, so with Windows 10X right now, it's only on these dual screen devices, but it's pretty obvious that Microsoft is going to eventually start rolling this out to say other screens and other form factors. Like I I would I wouldn't be surprised if it then moves on to laptops. Because the thing is too, Windows Windows 10 right now has a really shitty tablet mode, right? Like it works. It works as a tablet mode, and I, I think some ways it works better than the iPad's tablet mode. But if you compare it to, say, 
the tablet mode of Windows 8.1. It's not a first-class citizen. Windows 10X is built to scale from touch all the way to um, the mouse and keyboard because it's not built on any of the legacy Windows 10 shell stuff. And with that, this means as well that this uses the more the iOS model where say you want to update your device, right? What Windows 10X does is just boots it to a new image. It doesn't patch the existing one. So um, like Mac OS, right? The user, the system folder is read-only. Um, I, I believe they use the virtual partition stuff that Apple does as well. So there's no like... I know because some Android phones have hard partitions for the system folder and the user folder, which is really a bad idea, Samsung. <clears throat> but uh, but so the, the interesting part about this is that it'll only run signed code by default as well. There is a developer mode where you can turn on unsigned Win32 executables. Um, I don't know if that's long for this world because the only way you can get it is it's get 10x right now is as a developer image, right? So it makes sense to include that app just to test your own software on 10x. But but I honestly I, I think once the surface once this becomes more mature, it would it would not it would be silly for Microsoft to keep pushing regular Windows 10 to consumers. Now I think that regular Windows 10 will will slowly move up and up the market, right, to be like a workstation option. And more and more consumer devices will slowly start rolling out with 10x. For the fact of it runs all Windows apps, right? Well, it runs all signed Windows apps. And honestly, outside... I mean, game developers are always going to be cranky because, I don't know, code signing makes every game developer very pissy for some reason I have yet to figure out. But outside of game developers... Code signing is a pain in the ass because... uh, Like, uh, some... uh, Like, code signing is a problem because it's like you have to buy the certificate... Uh, and from a certificate authority, and that's also like a cost. Especially, there's a problem for like open source projects that want to have Windows builds because they they're gonna they're gonna if they're gonna release a, a Windows version of their application, they they have to sign it because they have to well, worry no, no, about code signing's free. It's it's an authorization. I thought that that like cost the money part on Microsoft and um... no 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 no. You have to. This is not a new thing. Like uh, you'll not like on Windows right now. Like there are some applications that I run that don't sign their uh, don't sign their uh, installers and don't sign their executables. Oh, uh, installers is the problem. Like you have to sign your installer like with a, with a with a certificate that you buy uh, that you sign the installer and like. Some app for some open source applications don't sign it because they have they don't want to pay the the cost for the certificate uh, every year. I think it's probably like a yearly thing. So like the thing is unsigned, or you could always throw it into the the Windows Store, right? You could throw Win thirty two apps into the Windows Store and you get signing for free with that, right? But it's like open source applications usually like uh, the the application in question is. Uh, is uh, Qubit Torrent, which is which is uh, which is a bit tor- like a BitTorrent client, right? Um, that is the installer is not signed, and every time I update the application, when I run the installer, it's uh, Windows is like this. This is an unsigned uh, installer. Do you want to run it? Uh, and it's like you have to click run anyway, and then it's like that's fine. Like I don't have a problem with that, but it's like it's gonna if 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 Microsoft is gonna make running unsigned installers like a problem then that is gonna be a problem for a bunch probably a bunch of uh win thirty two applications right now well i i guess there's the, it brings it brings up the question then of what is it is it the end of the world if windows ten x means that a bunch of apps are incompatible right a bunch of old software becomes incompatible and I'm saying for consumers right for for because you, I imagine Windows 10 regular will stay around for workstations. I doubt that Microsoft is going to force enterprises onto Windows 10X anytime within the next decade. But 
But for consumers, right, if all you do is like run Google Chrome on your computer today, right, and Steam, like that's going to stay the same. Like regardless of if Google ever makes a Win32 or sorry, a UWP version of Chrome or not, right? Like that's that's not you're fine there. This mostly is important for um I would say people who use open source software, right? Angry gamers and probably some folks who use older software. But but at a certain point, right? Like say if you use I know there's like a lot of vintage um say equipment for working with different um dlc systems and stuff like that right that only runs that that's like was built once has never been updated but honestly wouldn't it make more sense just to like have a pc not connected to the internet for some of those specialized applications i mean yes i mean those are those are not i'm not like i'm not really talking about those right now because those are special cases and those those i suspect will will run whatever os they run right now and they will never be updated right as as long as they don't break they will keep running right uh and then for like gamers too right like for the gamers at a certain point like yeah maybe not every game will work and you could um you can do what john linneman does from D- from digital foundry just like get an old pc to run your DirectX 10 and 11 games right oh, no no that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about new games coming out from uh from indie developers that are not signed uh, executables because uh, being an indie developer is hard already and you, what, you're going to pay for a fucking uh, certificate uh, on your I binary. mean, does Unity, do, does Unity and um, Unreal even do code signing? Let me actually check I, this I, real quick. I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, but I'm, I've never, like, game signing is not, like, well, like you don't run traditional installers for games anymore on Windows because everything is through... Uh, uh, like you don't see the installer running most of the time because it's 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 uh, coming through a store like Steam or uh, Epic Games or uh, Battle.net or you play a yeah, like Origin. So it's like you don't see the installer running, right? But if you're like if you're like playing games from uh, like uh, playing games on from like itch.io and like uh, indie developers uh, or like DRM free games from like GOG, uh, like. Things are not going to be signed sometimes uh, because. Well, I mean, in that case, then, right? Couldn't they just? And I know, I know, I I know someone's going to be angry at Menchies for saying this. So let's say you are a game developer who is low on budgets and does not want to pay for signing, or at that at this point too, because if you're releasing a game with something other than Windows and not Linux, you're on macOS, right? You're also going to have to pay Apple for a um for for Gatekeeper, um. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it benefit? Yeah. Wouldn't it maybe be just release your game as like a a web app, right? <laughs> like I, I like it, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. I mean, yes, but it's but but it's like you you limiting yourself. Like the web apps are like limited in many ways, and like well, many- I mean, what visual novel like really needs to get deep into like DirectX, right? No, but I'm saying like it's there's a lot of tools that are not web apps that are like you know Unity. Unity gonna, runs like, on the web. I mean, no, I mean like Game Maker or things like Game Maker, which are like 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 if you're a new indie developer and you're releasing your first visual novel, like you're not you're not gonna be running it in. You're gonna not gonna be probably paying for a unity license but well i mean then- let's see then let's see how much is it for a windows store license let's let's just check this because you can build unity and unreal games as uwp games right gears of war 4 is an example yeah i mean i think i think i think it costs extra to get uh unity that will like do like publish to other stores that are like 
I, I I'd imagine I'm not talking about like the cost of publishing in the in the Windows Store. Like even then, well, please if you well if you publish in the Windows Store, it automatically signed, right? That's that's what I'm saying. So you get signing for free if you if you just pay for it in the Windows Store. So that's why. That's why it's either you paid a certificate, right? Or please think about Apple, right? If you say upload something to the Mac App Store, Apple will automatically notarize it for you as a part of that process. Right. So so you're saying that like if you if you sell your game on itch, you also have to put it on the Windows Store if you want it to run on Windows 10X. So an an individual account to register to put your game in the Windows Store is twenty dollars. That is not that much. That that is objectively a low no, amount of money. I'm sa- yeah, that's fine. But it's like now you have another thing to worry about if you want to distribute on Windows. Like in Windows, game, distributing games on Windows has never been like the, a problem because running unsigned executables or unsigned installers is like, like you could do it. Like I can do it, it right it, now. I feel like it's just uh, a simple change to your workflow to put it into the Windows Store. You take the bundle and upload it to Microsoft. But game developers are cranky and they don't like. Uh, changes to the tools. That's what I'm saying. Well, I mean, hey, th- this change to the tool, though, right? Like all the cranky game folks listening, this. So you know how Windows is like really gets really shitty after a while if you're running on low spec hardware. You know what's an amazing way to solve that problem? Only spin up Win32 and never have it running in the background and have it run in a sandbox where apps can't see each other. And yes, this is going to break your Razer Chroma. This will break your Corsair fan control. This is going to break Discord. High- I mean, that's not, yeah, that's, I, that's, I don't care about like that right now. But, but like- I mean, it'll also like, it, it's, it's only messes with gamery things. I feel like the most in enterprise stuff and enterprise stuff is going to be covered, but I feel like. Like I like how long until we have a gamers nexus video about how like this is a bad thing or like anti competitive. But I but I I do think that Microsoft is not going to piss off the gamers too much because uh game the gaming the PC gaming market is not insignificant for Microsoft right uh like it is not insignificant for Microsoft and it's not in, insignificant for like the as a hard uh, the for the hardware vendors as well so it's like a lot of money moving in 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 Windows. Like PC world is, is 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 PC gamers are like a large. I would say well, not and, even and, a- and and as well too, right? I imagine this isn't going to be a hard transition. Like today, right? With, with Mac OS, we've already talked about how Catalina, how kernel extensions are going away, but it's a slow transition, right? First, they're going to introduce the replacement, and then they're going to give a couple years where they give people time to migrate, and then I I I I, I think I think we're underestimating the weight of the legacy stuff right now. I don't I don't know if Microsoft realizes like. I'm pretty sure Microsoft realizes it, but it's, it has at a certain point, right? How much, how much is it costing Microsoft to keep Win32 active, right? Like how much in terms of platform stagnation, in terms of developer cost, and in terms of how like, PC, you have to look at all software engineering. Well, I know you know this, but like this is you to the, to the listeners, I guess. You have to look at software engineering as sort of the cost of maintaining and the cost of adding new or improving compete with each other right you 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 have to split your budget between that you can't say maintain everything and also improve it at the same time that's really not how people work or software projects work and at a certain point microsoft's probably looking at win32 and saying if we don't piss people off and make some moves here when the windows is never going to progress and then at a certain point once windows stops progressing it'll be super easy for google to like get their shit together, right, and see an opening, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Uh, like Listen, we joke, we joke, but if <laughs> at a certain well, or or okay, here's a better example. Then, if Apple will come through and make iPads good enough, where people who don't need Windows to use Google Chrome and Discord, right? Ah, I see. Now, now I see. Now I see the play. You're saying that. Yeah. I mean, Microsoft has hedged that bet as well. They they are moving towards. 
services. Uh, well, yeah, but like this, Windows 10X is totally a consumer play, right? It's not for enterprise. Enterprise is going to be fine. But this is Microsoft saying, hey, Windows right now is not great to use on consumer devices, right? Like, I, I, the fact that this coming out and Panos controlling the Windows team at the same time, right? It makes a lot of sense to me. Because how much do you imagine that Panos always talking about like perfect creases and stuff in his device hates how garbage Windows runs on tablets on a surface? Yeah, I bet. I bet he does. He's not a fan. I bet he's not a fan of it. Uh, and well, we'll see. This is obviously a long term play. This is very early days of this. Uh, so I guess we'll check back next year. <laughs> we'll check when, back next year when the gamers are mad. Gamer Nexus puts out a, a 20 minute video on it. Tim Sweeney says it's anti-competitive. And then that's um, Sweeney can fuck off. But like, uh, what do you mean? Come on, games should be politics. It should be political, but gamers shouldn't be political, man. Uh, fuck, 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 fuck off. Uh, hey, future Chosa here. Just recording um, this quick dub before we hit publish. As some more information came out about Windows 10X that I actually just wanted to slip in here, just to avoid a little bit of follow up next week. Um, but so basically, we were talking about how games might be affected right by this container model. And that is true to an extent, um, but some more information has surfaced about how games would theoretically work with Windows 10X. Because, say, Win32 apps actually run in an RDP viewer, remote desktop player viewer, um, which, as you can imagine, for games is probably not the best way to go about doing it. Um, and this would be specifically for apps where the UI is written in, uh, is written in win 32 and not the win UI apps, I believe. But with, um, core os microsoft actually also working on something called game core and game core will essentially allow for easier sharing of xbox games and windows games so sort of like a right once for the games because it's all windows based and DirectX based, just run on both platforms with minimal work and from what some of the leaks and what i've heard has been suggesting is that game core will run as a first class citizen on windows 10x as well or at least not if 10x specifically but core os you can bring in Game Core and also use it. So there is a solution for um, at least running games natively um, through this, assuming they were ported to Game Core. Uh, but yeah, back to the show. Speaking about politics, though, let's actually, before we go down this rabbit hole, let's go into another rabbit hole. Let's talk about finance and boot camps and programming. Oh yeah, let's let's. Uh, this is your topic, and, and I was only recently made aware of the intricacies of. Uh, coding boot camps and uh, the financial model it, within them, and it is disgusting. Actually, I'll just say it: like uh, we're going to be linking like uh, a Verge uh, investigative piece about uh, about the Lambda School, which is which is a coding boot camp uh, written by. Also, yeah. as a side note, as a side note, um, Zoe Schiffer at The Verge has been on a roll. She's also she's also done the um, Away article, right? The Away story from a while back. Um, what other piece? She did the one on Michigan on a Michigan computer science faculty member um, doing about having a bunch of sexual harassment at a startup. There's another one of let's see, what's the? There's a she did a recent story about a girls only app using AI to screen gender. Like a lot of great work over from her at the verge. A lot of great work from Zoe over at the verge. So I recommend everybody read this. Uh, read this article over. It's it's uh, it's it's a it's a well written and it's it's a pretty lengthy read, but it's a good read. And as well too, we also have a a podcast recommendation hashtag cause a scene um, with uh, Kim uh, Creighton. Um, this is one this is one episode where she's interviewing uh, Kaza Lewis and. 
this podcast is um a black woman in tech just talking about disrupting the status quo um definitely um might be a hard listen for some of the white people listening but yeah it's gonna be uncomfortable for some people to listen to that yeah but um definitely if you're uncomfortable it is you should keep listening because it is uh she's doing a lot of great work um so with that preamble out of the way so what basically what's going on here is so we also say not all coding boot camps are like this um hashtag not all but um (laughs) but essentially lambda school does deferred payments as an isa isa is an income sharing agreement um and essentially how isas work is you're a bank you would like to make a return on a bond or whatever right well no don't buy a bond or you're an investor right don't buy a bond just buy someone's isa and then if they pay it back because the interest rates, I believe the webpage went down. I'll try and find an archive link. But I believe the minimum return they said you'd get is like an 8.5 increase on your initial investment. Um, and that's, of course, SEC backed. You know, So as an investor, you're not going to get fucked over. If anything happens to you, you're fine. And that funds these Lambda schools. Now, let's take a look at it from the student perspective. So Lambda seems to be running a sub-mortgage prime lending scheme. If I believe that's a sub mortgage prime lending subprime is. mortgages, I mean it is it is what uh, I think the uh, on the podcast episode they likened it to a payday loan, right? A c- scenario, right? Um, I mean I don't know what the interest rates are on 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 the uh, on this uh, like income sharing. Like, is it is there an interest rate like on the uh, on the loan payment? Well, probably in the agreement, but they took down it off, so I can't. So like I was I actually had a link, but that link got taken down by Lambda School. But so essentially, you pay, and I mean, there's not even on interest rate. The investors still make some over because of um, inflation and stuff over time, right? There's still like a natural sort of increase that's made through the student paying it back over a series of of, of time. But more specifically, it's just 30k for Lambda School, right? Um, let's use a let's use a more refer- relevant example. Um, so I'm actually doing a coding bootcamp right now, and mine was only 10k. Which isn't that bad, and the um, the loan options were like a five percent interest rate, so that turns out to be only three hundred dollars in interest on the rest of the loan, right? Three hundred to five percent would be like five hundred, right? I can't do math, but like a relatively low amount compared to the rest of it, right? Like that's the same interest rate you get for a personal loan at a credit union, um, at least in the states. This is like two years ago when I was working at a credit union. We did loans. We usually, if you had good credit, we'd give you like seven six percent interest rate so overall like those are relatively low compared to other loans but this school does 30k isa and and what, what's the problem with an isa right the issue is if you aren't able to get a job in tech and you go back to working at like a mcdonald's or whatever that's a significant portion of your income that's not going to be taken out for this and more so if the school doesn't properly train you to be ready for a job in tech and hey you have to sh- you need cash right like you need a job so you go back to working service or whatever you can't get into tech because you just did this whole program but and as they said in the piece these 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 students aren't able to even answer basic coding questions for like a phone interview for doing iOS dev mode so and, and this is the thing this is the thing and this is the thing is that you are you're wasting, like in this case, like in the case of the Lambda School article, uh, students are like, "Hey, I quit my job to do this boot camp, right?" Or I, I, I do this boot camp during the week and I work weekends, which is obviously extremely stressful for anybody, uh, especially if you're trying to learn programming, right? If you're not a technical person, yeah, yeah. And some of these people are like, "I am." Like, I, I don't know what to do because it's like, I, I, I thought this boot camp would give me like, uh, 
like something that I could use to get a get a uh, a, a well paying job in tech, and and like now I'm here and I'm I like I, I can't get a job in tech and I'm like stuck right because you just wasted all this time and you you lost a bunch of income too because you quit your job uh that you had and then you, you then you t- took this risk and like and as you- well these are le- ISAs are a legal gray zone they're not accredited right. So in the U.S., if a school is accredited and they say give you, they fuck you over, you can go to a government agency, right? You have rights as a student. Um, this is basically like a private loan you took for a thing, right? Like there's, there's no real they if if the contract is written shittily enough that they didn't explicitly break anything inside contract for the school, you have no legal repercussion on it, and that's the problem because because these are people they're targeting, right? Coding boot camps don't target the rich white kids with money who could pay for college. They target kids in the hood who want to, especially these deferred payment plans and these ISAs. Those are targeting poor people who are trying to move up in the world, right? People who think that, hey, programming and working in tech will get me out of the hood or whatever, right? Like, this is a form of indentured servitude, right? In a, in a way where we're going to take someone who's poor. We're going to train them up, but the end result is that they have to share a bunch of whatever resources they have with us. It is, and then at a certain point, they'll then be free and and uh, out of the contract. Right? It's extremely unethical. It's, it's it is it is it is pr- okay. It, I'm gonna just say it is predatory. It is predatory. It is pre- it and it's it, it's preying on the most vulnerable uh people, like people who are at risk of like it, people who are not. Like people who, for whatever reason, are not able to get into or don't want to or cannot uh, get into like uh, like a state college or or like uh, like a university, right, or, or a college college program, and so they so they think like, okay, um, so this ISA sounds good because it's like I can I can do this and I can get a job and then I can and then I can, can get, like pay, pay off the ISA, right, and it's like. But but then at the end of the day you're stuck in this program which does which isn't teaching you properly and the instructors are bad like instructors are not qualified uh, and 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 then you you're basically in this like shitty situation it's like it's preying on the worst like it's preying on the most vulnerable people here which is the worst part and, and specifically it's too right like as just, like we don't have to sugarcoat it who are the most vulnerable people who can't can't get into college in the U S poor black poor brown poor queer kids right those are the people who can't get into it and those are the people who who for mo- many other aspects in life right are also um marginalized so what 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 a loan like this does is that it brings a bunch of poor people a bunch of people who are food insecure right a bunch of people who may have mental health issues and then promises them that they if they just dedicate some time and they learn the skill that they'll that they'll improve their life and as someone who's been around that that sort of situation before like it's pretty fucked if if you're just taking advantage of that. Yeah, it is. It is. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's this is this is just this is just like at least when you go to university or a college and you take a loan, you you at least know up front what you're getting into. And this is just like I and especially for those they have like actual counselors and stuff on staff. Look at the fucking Slack screenshots in that article. There's one where someone was posting about like having a bad mental health day, and the fucking founder was like, "Just trust in the process." Like, fuck out of here with that trust in the process shit, bro. <laughs> bro, what like? And, and it's like, and also like, uh, I should mention like the contracts that you sign with them. And it's like, you probably, you, 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 uh, give away the right to, uh, collective action, uh, which, which, which means that, um, you can't like, sue, like you can't sue the, you can't sue Lambda school as a, as a class, I guess, like as a group, 
right? I think that's what that means, right? Like, it's like you cannot, uh, like, that's a thing. Basically, arbitration, right? You can't arbitrate with the company. Or, you know, you have to arbitrate. You can't sue them, rather. Yeah. Um, this would be one thing if the instructors, if the the, the, the instructor, and this, it's not. It's like the instructors are not good and they are unqualified to teach. Uh, and it's like. So here's some of the bullshit that they said. So during a Twitter part, someone just said, someone um, tweeted at the, at Austin Alred, who I believe is the CEO there. Um, what's the hiring slash salary rates for the UX track? And then someone said, and then he responded, what first track just graduated hit 100% hired, but was very small sample size. We'll have more data in a few months. Do you know how small that sample size was? One, it was one person who had graduated that track. <sighs> it is. That should be illegal in terms of that kind of marketing. Yeah, that is, that is deceptive and. It, not nothing about this is like, and this this guy already um is like this is like a tech a startup bro. This is like a startup tech bro, isn't he? Like really, like let, let's talk about the, like real talk. This- well, so as a as a as a so in the cause scene podcast, yeah, they were mentioning adults learn different than children do, right? Adult learning is there's it's a specific field, um you know, right? There's like a lot of places that will do GED work, right, to help people who didn't graduate high school GEDs, and you teach differently in those than you would in a traditional high school classroom, right? Um, do you bet? Do you think that um this Austin guy has any idea how to teach adults? Do you do you think that he ever has gone through any sort of education training, education stuff on how you actually teach adults and how you do that sort of learning? No, and it's it's like and and they teach and they're teaching very uh, like basic stuff and when basic stuff that's like they're not even like grading students properly on on assignments and like not giving t- like the most basic thing about teaching is that you give like when you have assignments you give feedback to your students right like that is like an ex- that's, that's like a teaching one on one thing and that's not even happening here like that is that is just that's like that's just. Like, this is not, it's not it. And more, and more, here's another clause from this contract as well. If a student says they are making less than they actually are, Lambda is able to increase their monthly payment by 150% or at a $1,000 monthly fee. Jesus Christ. Uh, they can is... even perform legal action on them. And the best part about it is they're apparently trying to expand into cybersecurity and nursing. Mm, nurse, mm, bro, you cannot even teach basic JavaScript programming, bro. Get the fuck out of here. Like, this is this is basically um so in the u.s we actually i remember i remember it was called cordon blue i do not know if they're still around but there's a bunch of ads for it it was a chef school that basically would just take people's money and then fuck them over because they didn't really teach them how to be proper chefs yeah like people who are self-taught tend to do better and as they mentioned on the cause scene podcast you know she um she was joking. She was like, you'll have a better time learning how to code if you and four of your friends just hang out yes. at Starbucks yeah, every yeah. day. <laughs> Literally, I'm saying, I'm telling you right now, there are resources online. And if you actually want to learn coding without a bootcamp, it is it is it is doable. I mean, it is it is hard it, though, right? It is like, hard, the reason but it is doable. Do it you need and that. it's like you you probably can do it better yourself than you, you can um like what is what is the one that you tell Team Treehouse is the one that I've done before. That's like five that's twenty five bucks a month. It isn't that bad. Um and as well too to go back to the previous point, because I am in one right now, right? And like I'm gonna be done with it within a week of posting, whenever this post. And like I feel confident in it. Like I know what I'm doing. But then again, right, like I was I was actually I was talking to another friend about this the other day. Like I feel fine with it because A, 
I run a podcast where I can, and I will plug it. If you're hiring, please hit me up. But I also have a bunch of reach on like Mastodon where it's like I have the privilege where I can be like, hey, if I'm stuck on something, I can just ask. And there are people who are my friends who are willing to help me out, right? Like me and you actually both know people in tech. So like if we need to like ever like need help with something or help for, for employment, right? Like there are folks we can go to. And it wasn't like, and even though me and you just kind of hung out a bunch on IRC when we were younger, and that's how we ended up here, there's still intrinsic privilege in, in knowing how this all works on the on the other side, right? Because there's people in this cohort that I'm in that definitely have no technical background. And I don't, I feel like a little worried for them because me, like if they go over like how this programming thing, like I already know how compilers work, right? Like I know the basics of operating system design and how like all these systems work. So just being able to code for it, like I have a better understanding of it. But for someone who doesn't know anything about computers, it's sort of like, wow, you're explaining them how to like build a wheel, but without actually explaining with them like the materials underneath, right? That actually build the thing you're trying to create or put together. Right, right, right. And yeah, that's that's the thing. You have people who are who don't have a technical background, which is fine, but like you're not equipped to deal with. And you teach that a different way, right? You can't just be like, "Oh, this is coding," without explaining to someone like how to actually properly use a computer. And you might be thinking, like, "Well, people don't use it." Well, I mean, there's a difference between, say, actually, here's a good one: command line basics, right? Like how Git works and how command lines work. Like they didn't really go over that in the boot camp I'm at. I just knew Git because, hey, I've been using Git for like. I don't know, since I was like 14. And I've, and like with uh, command line, like I used to, I built, I've used Gen 2, right? Like that's how I know the command line works. But, but if I didn't, then I'd be kind of fucked. I'd be lost. Cause outside of learning this programming thing, it's like, oh, I've never used a computer like this before. I've never done these things with one. Yeah. 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 So it's, and I feel like there's like certain ways you have to learn and how to do that. And I feel like, for just speaking to guess my own personal experience here, some of that was missed. And one of the one of the examples I think you'll appreciate uh, you'll have is a student asked about the difference between JavaScript array methods like push versus concat or for each versus map. The team lead said they were interchangeable. <laughs> they are not, uh, especially when it comes to performance, right? Yeah, <sighs> and it's like I remember one time in the bootcamp I was doing. I think like it. They they like they they like re, they like really said it under their breath how jQuery has a big performance hit and then when I believe when we're doing one of our projects people are like wow this app's kind of slow and I'm like well yeah you built an entire image gallery in jQuery <sighs> and like I don't expect the students to know that right like I know jQuery slow because hey I've been I remember when HTML5 first became a thing I've been here I used to, I learned how to make websites before Flexbox was like ex- widely accepted or, fl- or grid layouts or whatever it's called right yeah grid layouts yeah 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 and it's like like I remember back when browsers were still failing the acid three test <laughs> like I'm old but for everyone else in there like yes they can put the things together but do they know how it works and do they, do I, they know why and, it and works, I think and do yeah, they know, why too yeah. and there's like a I feel like there's a good amount of theory you have to teach people. Yeah. I remember back when I was working my prior job, the first day we'd have new hires in, I would just sit them down on my computer and I'd be like, okay, you're going to be handling clients. You're going to be having consistent tasks. You're going to be scheduling properly. I'm not going to teach you shit about this job. We're just going to learn how to use a computer today. Like I would just sit down with them. I'd be like, okay, here's how you manage your tasks. Here's how you properly use it. Here's how you efficiently use a calendar. Here's how you efficiently email people, right? Here's what you shouldn't say. Here's what you should say. Here's how you use like um, Google Docs to build a little internal wiki and notes for your clients and do templating, right? Here's how you do key- here's keyboard shortcuts. Here's a clipboard manager. Here's how you do macros, right? Yeah. Like I would just spend an entire workday just going through them, how to efficiently use a computer because, and this is the fault of UI designers, this no one's taught how to do it, right? 
Like, how many people know that when you hit Windows V on Windows, you get clipboard history? I, I actually didn't know that, by the way. That is <laughs> the most know. undiscoverable feature in See, Windows. That is undiscoverable. I use a different clipboard manager. I use Ditto, uh, which which was recommended, which is very good, by the way. It's very, very powerful. It's uh, it, But I didn't know. I, I know Windows had its own clipboard manager, but I didn't know how to bring it up. So uh, Yeah. I, and those are, it's little things like that, right? And it's like it's sort of like the theory of how this all works, because that's how you get efficient with stuff, right? Learning how something works underneath is not only interesting at least for me but it's also like you have to have a foundation in order to learn how to program upon you can sure you can learn how to how to copy and paste code from um from i don't know from like slack overflow stack overflow rather and then also how to plug in things together but you have to at least know some of the foundation of how it all works because otherwise yes you can build a, a nice react app but if you don't know how to build a website does it do you really know what you're doing mm. Mm. yeah and i think like this segment i think we're gonna like that's the question we're gonna leave you with it's like if you don't know the basics it's like yeah and uh i recommend everybody listen to the podcast and also uh the the, the cause of scene episode and also the uh the uh verge article because this is i think i think if you're in the tech industry especially if you are in the tech industry and you're you're someone who does hiring i think this is something to keep in mind as when you do hires is that like like your hiring pipeline is is uh is very biased. Uh, it's probably like skewed through a certain way, and it's like why is it skewed? Like think about why the pipeline is as it is, um, and and more so that this really hurts diversity in tech as a whole, right? Because there's it's a cycle, right? It's a cycle. Companies are like the only qualified applicants we get are white men, white women, white um East Asian folks, and um East you know East Asian men and women, and then. Well, think about it. All the poor kids are getting siphoned into these boot camps that are sh- training them should at least when they go to apply to jobs. It reinforces the idea that only white people and East Asian people are good at programming, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ends up being a cycle that just hurts everyone else. It's it's a it's it's a cycle, yeah. And that's the most ter- the terrible thing about, about this. It's perpetuating a circle, uh, terrible. And cycle. as just as a lastly, one last hot take before we move on to the next piece. Um, the industrial education system is not how you learn how to program. Just, just want to put that out there. I mean, yeah, that's that's another topic. But yes, I, I agree. It is. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, universities are, I don't think, the way to learn programming. I, I really think uh, programming is. Uh, yeah, that's that's another discussion we can. But have. I'm speaking about think. industrial systems. Um, let's talk about your new ebook reader. Yeah, let's talk about <laughs> speaking of industrial systems. Let's talk about. Uh, no. Um. So I. Uh, so uh, the Kobo. I haven't have a new. New little computer here. Uh, it's a it's a Kobo Libra H two O, which is uh, e ink, uh, e ink uh, ebook reader, uh, and it's very good. Uh, and, uh, so I guess the first question is before we get into the device itself. Um, a why not a Kindle, and B why not just use your iPad for reading? Uh, f- uh question A. If it's the first question, why not a Kindle? Is because I don't really want to support Amazon. Uh, exactly. Fuck Amazon. That's the that that's the that's the valid answer. Yeah, like that's the basic reason. And I was like, uh, I don't want to support. Like, I don't want to support. Like, I don't want to buy a Kindle and be buying books on Amazon because I'm going to be buying books. So then I'm like, I don't want to be stuck in that ecosystem. And I don't. And, and as like, well, before someone gets in our menchies, yes, I know that Kobo is owned by Rakuten, which is basically the Japanese Amazon. Yes, I know that as well. I like I'm yeah I like I know that, and I know Rakuten is also another big corp. Uh, but I'm like at the same time, it's like picking between the two evils here, and I'm like, I don't want to support Amazon any more than I have to. 
So I was like, and this product is actually a good product. It was reviewed well. I was like, why, why would I buy a Kindle when I can buy this? Right. It's like, let's, let me just pay. It's, it's a little bit more expensive, but it's like, it's, it's a good product. It's like, let's, let's buy this instead. So that's the reason I went with Also, the I guess as a disclaimer too, for journalism integrity, we should say we do have friends who work at Kobo, but that did not impact your buying decision. That's, I mean, yes, that's a thing. And like, Kobo is actually very popular in Canada because like the, it's just like uh, some, some bookstores here sell it. So I think this is why like uh, Kobo is like a, Kobo has massive market share. It's the more market share than Kindle in, in Canada, actually, for that reason. Um, so and then it, we should also say disclaimer, Comcast is an investor in Fox TV. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, oh Jesus. The, the memes are real. Um, no, no. Yeah, we, 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 uh, we uh, both of us have a mutual friend uh, who works at Kobo. Uh, shout outs. Uh, so like, so this ebook reader, um, and I'm actually really impressed. Um, this is my, this is the first time I've had a display with, uh, like an ebook reader with, uh, e- e- oh, I, I should answer your second question, right? Uh, why not an iPad? I, and I, and that's the question. The answer to that is that I don't want to read books, like books that are, I mean, by books, I mean like stuff that's like multiple hundred pages long on a LCD display because that will kill my eyes. Uh, that is, ask anybody who reads uh, like long form text like books is that you really cannot read, like you can't, I mean, you can read it, but your eyes are going to be like, fuck you. Uh, it's it's going to suck. It's, it's not a great time to read on uh, LCD displays. Uh, so, that's why I decided, like, I'm going to buy a, a, a ebook dis- a ebook reader with a, with a ink display. And, Let's talk about the display because it is a very nice display, right? I sent you pictures of the uh, of the screen, right? And you you saw the it's it's a seven inch three hundred uh, PPI uh, ink display, right? And and it looks good, like the, like the font rendering is so good. It's it's um, it's it like this is I don't know if it's like I mean everybody's like duh, it's it's an ebook reader, obviously it's font font rendering is good, but no, but it's like it it really is like an uh, like really crisp. Uh, so what'd you say? Okay, so let's let's talk. Let's use um, <laughs> let's use different um examples that our audience might be relevant with because a photo it's going to be compressed if I said it as a chapter art, so it's not worth it, right? Because you're not going to be able to tell. So let's say we have MacBook Pro because you have a Retina MacBook Pro, right? We have the iPhone 10, which is an OLED screen, and you have your iPad, and then. We'll also say your Windows PC, which is not a 2x display, right? It's just no. It is a. It is a. It's an IPS LCD. Uh, so would you say it's close enough to like say the iPhone 10, which has the high resolution display, but also the OLED one, so you get like pure blacks and it sort of just looks like inky in that way, or is it more of like a, a regular just 2x display, like the ret- like the iPad or the MacBook? It, I mean, it, it, it's 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 not color, by the way. The car, car, ebook car, the ink displays are not color. So it is only like images are black and white. Uh, so it's like I would say it is the clarity of the screen and the, and the way it displays text. It it looks like to me like a like a like a uh, MacBook Pro Retina display or like a like even like a like a iPhone uh, AMOLED display, right? Like it's the text rendering, the text like the 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 DP the, the PPI it's three hundred parts per inch, right? It's like it's really good. And the resolution is it says one six eighty by one two six four uh, is the resolution uh, apparently. Uh, so that's that's the resolution. Um, also, more importantly, how does it feel to be using 
um, Linux and Qt in the palm of your hands. How does the software run? Uh, software runs pretty well, uh, and it's and uh, software runs decently, and it's uh, it it is the UX is real in my opinion very good, and it's like. Uh, everything is explained very well. Like every setting has like a little explainer blurb in the settings menu and like every setting is detailed. And, uh, there, there are like the UI is very like it's designed for the screen it is on, which is the card, like the ink display. And it's like everything is highlighted properly and like things that need to be have emphasis on them, have emphasis on them. And I've only had one problem with the, I think, I don't know what I did, but I managed to freeze the OS. Like I managed to cause a crash. Well, it is a full screen web app from what we were told, right? About I mean, it's not software. a web app. It's like, it is. Well, I mean, not, I mean, like a JavaScript app. It's right? not a web. It's not a web app. It's, it is, um, Okay, so the basics of it is it is it is running Linux on on a, on an ARM CPU, right? It is uh, it is it is running a like a freescale ARM CPU, which is like a low power uh, low power ARM CPU, which is like Kobo exclusively uses these because it's like uh, they are they're low power and they and they, they so they they don't use battery life, which is important like uh, which is important on these. So it's like. I managed to crash it once and I don't know how. <laughs> like, I don't know how I managed to crash it. Like, I, w- I wish I knew. Uh, but it, it crashed, but it was not a big deal. I just had to like, you know, hold the power button. So it rebooted like, uh, like a Linux system would. Uh, as well. Have you ran a Wireshark, a Wireshark dump on it yet? Like, do you know how much analytics stuff it does? I mean, I mean, um, so that's like the basic things. I, I, I haven't done any sort of deep look into like what network, pers- uh, characteristics are but like it's it it has wi-fi uh it's connected to wi-fi but it the wi-fi actually turns off after like five minutes automatically because the wi-fi doesn't stay on all the time uh because because battery life as i mentioned is very important on these devices these devices are supposed to have like i think like weeks of like it, what is the i think it says like uh battery life is like uh it says weeks of battery life uh dependent on uh, individual usage right it's like a 1200 milliamp hour battery and it has to have weeks of battery life right so it's like it is conserving battery life when it does that and um are you able to sideload books onto it i could yeah i could i could put drm uh free books on it i can plug it into i want to plug you can plug it in via usb uh it has a micro- more importantly is that a micro usb not usb c it is micro USB. Mm. Yes. Uh, mm. I mean, it's, points for it's, that. Who, I don't give a fuck if it's micro USB or USB C. Uh, USB C gang, um, don't at me, Slime Tom. <laughs> this it is, is the mic- second time in, in three weeks I've mentioned Slime Tom on the podcast. <laughs> it, it is micro USB. Um, and when you plug it in, it basically presents as a USB mass storage device. So you just copy and paste files onto it uh, that's it like i i copied and pasted like some e- uh, the epubs onto it and it worked and it, when you unplug it, it it'll import the uh epub so you're good okay and um can it replace your laptop no no it's it's a very specialized device i, I know that was a joke question but i'm gonna answer it seriously it's, <laughs> uh, it is it is not a, in any sort of it's it's a very specialized device and that's what i like about it. it's like the it does one thing basically it does it, it it it's an ebook reader and it does it very well i think that's like my review of the device is it is uh it is an ebook reader and, it, and, it, and the software audit is specialized to do exactly that thing and nothing more and uh and it is it is good at what it does and it's, apparently it's also waterproof uh ipx8 uh, but I, I'm not going to test that uh, because I'm not going to go swimming with this thing. Uh, that sounds that sounds a bit weird. But like 
Yeah, uh, the display is good. It has like uh, adjustable color temperature on the on the display, so it like it adjusts uh, automatically uh, to time. Like the display becomes slightly orange, you know, like the nightlight thing, uh, which is which is really cool. Uh, so yeah, uh, so it's it's good, and it has a nice. Okay, it has a nice. Uh, physically, it has like a nice weight to it. There's two buttons on the on the right on the on the side of the display, the right side of the display. But you said there were mushy buttons when I was talking to you about it, right? They're they're not that clicky, but that's actually fine because you don't really want them to be too clicky, right? Uh, they they have good feedback. Well, I mean, like, do they feel clicky, right? Like, do they feel like or do they feel mushy? Because I for me, the sound isn't isn't as important, right? But like, you know, it's like a keyboard, right? It's more about how it feels and how it sounds. Like, does it feel nice to push the buttons? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I've been I've been re- I've read my like. Uh, multiple like i read an entire book already on this and it's like um, you, you use use you can either use the you can touch on the uh, touch screen and on the like on the right side or left side to change pages as well but i prefer to use the uh, use the buttons and it's like it's good it's fine it's uh, it's it's uh, just as as it needs to be it's nothing more uh it's it's perfectly satisfactory uh and that's my review of the device it's uh, if you're looking for a, a ebook reader uh consider this because it is good it is uh it is a good experience uh recommend it uh yeah definitely um and as well i guess next up technically although you know i'm gonna be honest i kind of don't want to talk about the new galaxy phones for the fact of that all these phones start above a thousand dollars um the only thing i can we just just talk literally can we just talk about how expensive it is and then end this because the most expensive Galaxy S phone, not even the foldable one, not the Z Flip, which actually looks cool because it has folding glass. But the most the S Ultra is like what a thousand six hundred dollars American? Yeah, it's it is it is absurd. Huh? Let me see. Let me pull up the prices here. Let me see where the prices are. At. Does the artist piece have the prices? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, the S twenty Ultra is one thousand three hundred ninety nine. Uh, the S twenty Plus is one thousand one hundred ninety nine, and the S twenty is thousand dollars basically. So uh, nothing below a thousand dollars. And I would just, I would just say this is, um, I think we've hit the ceiling on how expensive phones could be. Like it makes, there's nothing in the S20 Ultra that makes it worth as much as it is. I could forgive folding screens because I understand how, because the fact that this technology isn't as commoditized yet, it's expensive to produce them and it's going to go down in price. That makes sense to me for the Z Flip. But for this S20, I am, I, I don't, I think more people are going to buy the older phones because Samsung dropped the prices on those and they are going to buy these ones because what warrants a jump from this to the, from the S10 to the S20 that warrants that like $400, $500 price increase. And I don't think there's anything that really, uh, let's, let's talk about that. I mean, let's talk about the device in, in sort of like, uh, like uh, what the differences are here. Like the 120 Hertz OLED, is that like a big Which deal? Which is off by default. That you have to turn on. Mm-hmm. So how many people are actually going to use that 120 OLED? Because mind you, it's 120 lower. Isn't I don't even believe it's full res, mm-hmm. and and you're going to lose an hour on battery life. About 10 percent on battery life. Samsung says you'll lose with it. So mm-hmm. the fact that it has a high refresh rate screen, but it's off by default. I don't care, right? If you have to turn it on by default, that's not that's a non-starter. Apple's figured out how to get high refresh rate without losing battery life. Samsung can do it as well. That doesn't. I mean, they all like to be fair. Uh, when you talk about the Apple uh, 120 Hertz display, it is on the iPad Pro, which has a massive battery. Uh, 
So have you look at the battery on that S20 Ultra and tell me it is not that battery is as big as a tablet's battery. That's like a six thousand. It's a four thousand milliamp hour. Uh, like the S20 has a four thousand milliamp hour battery. Well, the S20 then, Ultra though. That's what I'm saying. The, the, Ultra. the Ultra has a five thousand milliamp. Yeah, hour that's battery. tablet battery. Let's see how big is the iPad battery. So iPad, your iPad, right? iPad Pro. iPad Pro just uh, the iPad Pro is the one with the one twenty hertz. Let's say iPad Pro uh, battery size. The iPad Pro has a ten thousand milliamp hour battery. Fair. Yeah, that's 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 double. But the iPad Mini <laughs> is the size of that S20 Ultra, right? So you say iPad Mini battery yeah, I size, mean, five thousand milliamp hour battery. But it's like the iPad Mini, iPad is Mini not- has a five thousand milliamp hour. I mean, well, the, the argument being right is like. Samsung's doing that thing again with the shipping features and they're going to charge you more for it and they're either going to be off by default or hard to find. Like, at a certain point, I'm not giving them a pass anymore on no. it. All right, I mean, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. Given uh, the price of the phone, man, the phone is just so damn expensive. Uh-huh. And it's like, um, and it's like, you took out, and also, they took away the uh, the headphone jack uh, this time. Uh, so bye. Bixby button's gone too, thank God. Uh, the Bixby button's gone, so, you know, uh, you lose some, you win some. <laughs> Um, so, uh, headphone jack is gone, and I, I I love how, like, Samsung, like, last year was, like, doing ads where they, like, made fun of Apple for not having a, a headphone jack, uh, and, uh, this year they, they decided to remove the headphone jack themselves. Uh, I love corporations. Like, like, I guess it's just for me, it's like, the phone has to prove its price, right? And just because Samsung's added a bunch of cameras and AK, like, video recording and all of that, like... It's all about the quality of it, right? They keep adding more and increasing the prices, but like, are you going to have a better photo experience on the Pixel, right? Which costs significantly less, mm-hmm. or are you going to have a better time using the phone, just using an i using an iPhone 10, right, or iPhone 11 Pro? Because for me, like the so the iPhone 11 Pro is probably the most expensive phone that I've ever purchased. I think it's around a thousand yes. for it. Yes, that's. I mean, that sounds about right. Yeah. The camera has been good enough. It's 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 earned its like the price, right? The battery life has been good enough. This is a two day phone for me. I, I don't have never worried about battery life. And but with the Samsung phone, is that like? Oh, I, I love flexing the iPhone's battery life. Every time my phone drops to twenty, I always send a screenshot to Static of how long it's been off the charger. Yeah, I like. I'm just like, and I'm over here. Okay, and then for real talk, I'm over here with my fucking iPhone XS, and I'm like, fuck, man. I I wish I was the the, the two year cycle was like the other way around, so I could uh, like I upgraded to the eleven Pro, but I'm. I don't want to upgrade right now. Like that's that's not. But, but is right the thing for me though with the Samsung one though, right? Back on track. It's like does it does it warrant? Does the S twenty Ultra warrant being like a thousand five hundred, a thousand four hundred? I mean, see, 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 no, of course it doesn't. And it's it's it, and the thing with these one thousand five hundred dollar devices, it's it's the it's the Halo product, right? It is the aspirational Halo product for Samsung. Well, the, I mean, what do you do? So. And, and I'm finally going to get to talk about it. The Mac Pro kind of makes sense as a Halo device because there are workflows that make sense to spend that much money on it. In what world, in what world does it, would you get a better computational experience on the S20 Ultra? Because it has the same processor as a regular S20, right? It's not overclocked. You don't get a better gaming experience on it. Right. And you, you at least the S20 Ultra has more RAM. It has 16 gigs of RAM. You can get it with 16 gigs of RAM. Um, for Dex, right? Because everyone uses that nowadays. <laughs> I mean, see, this is the thing. It, it's not. It's not like it's not like the Mac Pro in that way. That, but it is like a status symbol. I think it is. That's what Samsung is making here. It's the S twenty Ultra is for people who have too much money. I mean, is it really a status symbol? If you spend a thousand five hundred on your phone, you're still a green bubble. She ain't gonna text you back, bro. Oh, oh, 
Oh, we're gonna we're gonna go there, are we? Are we are we doing that thing? Are we doing the green bubble, blue bubble thing? We all right, all right, all right, fine. Every European's uh, gonna tell me about WhatsApp, and yes, I know what WhatsApp is. And yes, for everyone on Mastodon, I do use Riot, I do use Signal. <laughs> don't don't add me. Oh my god, can we please talk about that one time someone added Static about using Signal when he runs his own or using ma- uh, Matrix, uh, uh, using ma- Matrix when, I, when, when you I run your my- own Matrix server. <laughs> Yeah, people. Okay, I'm gonna just say this right now. I have used XMPP. I used to run an XMPP server. I don't no longer run it because nobody, I had an account on it. Uh, because nobody, nobody, uh, nobody uses XMPP in the real world. Uh, don't add me, nerds. Uh, and I have a Matrix server which we are using right now for like I'm talking to Chelsea right now through uh through a Matrix voice call. So you know, uh, I'm using it. It's, it's yeah, it's, you know, Sata keeps me on my feet, making me install Google Chrome every week. It's great. <laughs> Because <laughs> Firefox the, fucks up the voice calls in Matrix. Oh my god! I use Firefox for Matrix, but uh, but I have an interface. Uh, it always comes out of one channel on static uh, side. If I use Matrix for some reason, it's uh, audio is uh, hell. Well, you know, hey, how I loop it back to this phone. The Samsung has Discord integration. How does it integrate with Discord? <laughs> Tell me. You know how Discord tracks you on your um computer for games you're playing. Yeah, Samsung uh-huh, lets like Discord it. track you on the phone for what games and apps you're running and what Spotify songs you're playing on your phone. Fuck. Oh man, Discord is fuck Discord. You know what I am sad though? I didn't get to see a Quibi, uh, Quibi integration on on the S twenty Ultra. Can a phone really be Ultra if it doesn't work with Quibi? Also, also, also they, they they announced a bunch of uh, partnerships, and one of the partnerships was with Microsoft uh, for a Forza game on the Samsung Store. Did he see and that? And it was also for xCloud, too. Yeah, a Forza game, which you can download on any Android device and xCloud, which also runs on all Android devices, so I don't understand. Um, I think, I mean, Samsung's doing a smart play. It's like back on track, back away from the silliness. Samsung is making a smart play by saying, hey, no one in America wants to pay for Samsung services. No one in the in the outside of like maybe Korea, no one outside of maybe Korea and like Dubai wants to pay for Samsung services. So we're just going to integrate if all the services everyone already uses. So Microsoft comes out looking clean. Um, Spotify comes out looking clean. Netflix, uh, Netflix they, had a, they had they announced they had a partnership with Netflix as well. They're probably going to have some shows that are going to have like exclusive content that you can only view on Samsung devices, which is like. Is that like I, I think that's what happened. That's what the the deal was about. Like I, that's some wild shit. Uh, so enjoy your Netflix on your one thousand five hundred dollar phone. I guess. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> That's no, fine. enjoy your uninstallable Netflix app on your oh, $1,500 yeah, that's, that's, phone. That's, that's the real talk, actually. See, this is yeah. what we have to. This is what we always go back to with Android. Pixel devices, because Google's a little anti-competitive, don't have this problem. But if I spend $1,500, I do not fucking want a carrier app I can't remove. I do not want two web browsers. I don't want two email apps. If I if, roll out the red carpets for me, if I'm spending a grand and a half on a phone. Yeah, like if I'm... If do I'm not spending- pre-install Candy Crush or some other game on this phone. But because it's Samsung, it's going to have so much trash on it by default. It's going to have Microsoft stuff if we install probably, right? It's going to have like one. Oh my God. What if it has three email apps? What if it has Outlook, Samsung Mail, and Gmail? <sighs> Welcome to the Samsung experience, I guess. Uh, so like, I mean, like the, the, the camera stuff is all, all, of course, like the big thing that they're talking about every year. They talk about the camera. Uh, and it's like, there's how many sensors here? Like. The, it does uh, space zoom, which we do a thousand times zoom, which um Xiaomi first introduced on some of their older phones. I think Huawei as well. Hashtag they're using hashtag AI. They're using hashtag AI. Holy <laughs> shit! Get... Holy shit! Static, hold up. Yeah. Hold up. It's five G. They all five G. This phone 
is AI plus AK plus 5G because it can record AK video. Yeah, yeah, we, we've hit the bingo card. We have hit the uh, we've hit we've hit the features. Also, mind you, recording AK on a phone with a sensor this small, like you know, mm, mm, I want uh, to, to be honest. To be okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. I I want to see the 8K. So I, uh, obviously, somebody's going to do this. Like on, on when the phone comes out, somebody's going to have like a 8K video up on like uh, Vimeo or something, and like it's going to be like I want to see the video. I want to see what sort of quality you get out of the 8K. Like how long? How long can you record? You know, for? you actually might have the only processor that can smoothly play back 8K video out of like me out of me and you. Like your your desktop might be the only computer we both have that can play 8K. Uh, yeah, I've I've never tried playing 8K video, so that's because uh, it's not hardware decoded right now. 8K is purely so- on the CPU side. So 8K will make this MacBook cry. 8K this MacBook cannot play <laughs> 8K wanna, smoothly. I don't I've even tried. want like the poor poor Intel chip's gonna fucking uh, die. Uh, well because- the problem is is because on YouTube, right? I've only tried 8K on YouTube. It's BP9 being software decoded. I believe H two six five or um AVC. Yeah, I think I think this the thing is recording in H two six five. Um and I think like Well YouTube doesn't do H two six five playback though. YouTube will convert it to VP nine on the server. Right. So like how do you how do you play back that eight K video on anything but your that dev- on, on your S twenty Ultra. Like if you record a video like an eight K video on uh S twenty Ultra, like where do you play with that back other than your Mac Pro, I guess. Uh, like, I don't know. Like, where? Oh my God! Samsung and Apple partner for a new afterburner card. Other <laughs> words, just exclusively play uh, 8K video. Yeah, uh, cool. Uh, that's that's the thing. So, like, this they have uh, what a 12 megapixel main sensor, 12 megapixel ultra wide, 40, 40 megapixel main sensor, depending on the phone. Remember, the S, the Ultra has a 40 megapixel and the Ultra uh, 108 megapixel main camera. <laughs> So we're, we're mostly shit posting here, but the I, something important about the cameras is the front-facing camera is now 40 megapixels, which is actually important. Samsung did the thing, which is that they took the good back camera and put it on the front. Which is which is good because it's good for selfies. It's going to be the selfie cam. It's going to be good. If it's a Samsung phone, right? So it's going to smooth out all the detail on your face anyways. So, But I mean, it'll have more resolution to smooth out. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's true. And, and the 40, like on the 10X, uh, 48 uh, megapixel, it's, it's been branded as 100X space. God, fuck! I I hate Samsung actually for real talk. I I I swear to God, every time Samsung does this shit, I'm just like looking at it. And I'm just like Samsung, why? Why are you like? I get it. Like I know people buy specs. Specs are specs are king in certain parts uh, in certain Android circles. Like you, people really like their high end specs, and like this is. But the thing about this, right, is so. You can go to, um, let's say desktop PCs. As a, as a side note of of how I'm saying this, you could go to OWC. Is it not OWC? Is it um, not Corsair? Who are the system builders? What are the system builders that you buy free prefabs from for desktop PCs that aren't Dell and them? Um, there are a few. There's a couple like, ca- uh, Canadian yeah, ones, there, right? I'm trying to. There's one called Main Gear. I think there's Main one. Gear. You got yours from a different one, didn't you? No, I mean, I, I, I just what I did is I went to Canada Computers with sells parts and I picked the parts that I want and they built it for you. But, but basically, what I'm saying is you have these boutique, boot, boutique. Oh my god, boutique. <laughs> yes, boutique. But yes, you do have uh, boutique like Main Gear. Yeah, yeah and. Yeah. Samsung is basically building an overpriced boutique phone that doesn't give you anything better, but has higher specs on the box for no reason, right? Because at the end of the day, the software is kind of built to take advantage of this. And yes, mind you, your your phone won't slow down with 16 gigs of RAM, even though all three email apps are consistently running in memory at all times, even though you have your account on one of them, right? Like, hey, that's great. This, this phone will still score worse than an iPhone does. 
on um on 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 processor benchmarks and this phone will still probably take worse photos than the pixel 4 because google has better camera software and hell too here's here's the kicker for productivity that surface duo probably is going to be a far better phone for doing email and like light office work on than this phone is i I mean yes but if this thing is not competing against the iphone for people i mean it is but it is not at the same time right it's like uh like like samsung has to so if we look so i'm i'm looking at this through a western perspective like obviously the dynamics of the eastern phone market are far different and i don't claim to know anything about that i don't know but i'm saying for in america and in canada right and in like central america and in parts of europe who who does this phone serve you know so i'm gonna use like tech pro speak and i'm sorry but what's the job of this phone right what what is the job of this phone at, at its core level it is a smartphone that is smartphone things yes but with an iphone there's like a, it's a status symbol i'm telling you this is just the status symbol this is the halo product thing it is it is it is samsung just putting all the fuck like this is like their phone that they show off and it's like it's shiny it has a nice it has a nice color it has it comes in uh, like that that blue color actually for but that should off. be the z flip then because the z flip i feel like is a much better status symbol i mean it's not it's not a status symbol because it's still like a alpha product right it's like not an alpha product but like a but i mean like full, it has cool stuff about it like i can look at the z flip and be like is it ridiculously expensive yes but oh, holy shit it has folding glass how did they do that yeah i mean that's that's cool but that's not what the market is. This is the market for people who buy the most expensive phone that they possibly can because they have the money and they want to show off. That's that's it. That's but it. I just I guess compared to like other phones that are coming out, this just feels like a high spec parts bin phone where every other phone made by like Google, Am- uh, Google, um, Microsoft, and Apple at least like there's a theme, right? Like you buy a Pixel if you want X, Y, and Z. I might it might not be for me and the Surface Duo. I can imagine people who will buy the Surface Duo and it's, they'll love it. You know who I imagine who will buy an S twenty Ultra and will love it? The same hype beast who spend like three hundred dollar on Travis Scott Nikes on, on sneaker X. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. That's why the the people who are buying people who are the target market for the for the most expensive uh S twenty Ultra phone here. It's it's not people who care necessarily about the details of the specs but the fact that it is the most expensive phone that they can buy is that is like the thing man i guess i guess anything for the drip right yeah yeah that's that's the thing it's not it's not about the law lo- you we're thinking about this too logically and there's no logic in it it's, it's about it's about it's being a status symbol and being the most expensive phone and like having the most expensive thing is the- so so what you're saying is so what you're saying is okay so if i understand this correctly um we live in a society and in a society and in society people like to drip so by using the transformative property in math samsung is society makes you think ah oh, fuck you really did it makes you think oh um that's a meme from star uh which uh, which part of the weird it's already has memes so thanks heather uh, <laughs> a shout out to heather for being uh, a fantastic guest on star that was a good episode um but yeah uh, i think since we've evolved into this um the, the the final statement i think on the s20 is it'll probably do okay um honestly at this point at this point like you can buy so my recommendation to people listening if they actually want one is sure you can buy this it'll be okay it's 2020 and if you purchase things purchase things of intention right like a fairphone looks pretty great if you like alpha software i like what the fairphone's doing b the iphone it's ios we've talked about it to death right 
the pixel you're going to get great photography and yes google might track you but i mean like it's still like an overall cohesive experience and in the surface duo like hey live if you live in email actually looks like a pretty baller device this phone like you have better options you have better options in every single category and just look into your heart and figure out what you want with your phone and what makes you happy and don't and the best drip is being happy on the inside and not wasting and not destroying the environment by being frivolous and buying ridiculous phones like this. Stun on the haters by caring is all I'm saying. <laughs> all right, that's that's our that's our uh, that's the that's that's how we're gonna wrap up. All right. Uh, so as as always, uh, show notes on twoshadesofbrown.com. You can you can contact us via the email, which is contact uh, at twoshadesofbrown.com. No spam, as usual. Uh, and you can find me on my website, southexave.com. You can find me on the Fediverse at uh, PacketCat at 10forward.social. Don't t- tell me about which chat app to use. Instead, talk to me about, uh, I don't know. Books. Talk to me about, yes, please, add me. Yeah, give me, especially like sci-fi. Uh, if you have any, if you're reading a sci-fi. And, more, and, and brownie points, if you're like, um, if we know any Fediverse writers who are doing good stuff, like pass, pass them our way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for, for real. Uh, for, before I go, I want to I wanna, I wanna shout out a Fediverse writer. Let's, let's do this, actually. Uh, let me just unlock my fucking ebook reader because I put a pass code on it because i mean uh uh the book is called uh take on me by jennifer parsons uh she is on on the fediverse the this is her this is her her book came out like i think a couple of days ago uh you can go to uh take on me.xyz to you know uh find how you want to get a copy you can buy it on the i bought it on the Kobo store but you can buy it on like uh, basically every other ebook store so go support uh a fediverse author you know uh support support the culture um and that's that's me so chosa and where do people uh find you on the uh, y'all can find me online at chosefind.website um for realsies as i was saying earlier if you are hiring for people doing uh back-end web stuff like ho- holler holler at me as we alluded to earlier, Heather did an amazing episode of Star last yes, week. Yes, very good. Yeah. <laughs> if you love the environment, show.starfighter.club. Um, yes. And until next time, bye. Bye.